Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. So we are in the midst of this adventure of reading the Bible together. We've made it out of Matthew, and we're into Mark. We're going to spend all of one week in Mark. It's it's that fast of a gospel. You just fly right through it. Um, but uh, we're going to start by hearing uh, this passage. It's one of my favorite stories from the Gospel of Mark. It's one of my favorite stories in the Gospels. Um, and this is the story of the fig tree. So this is from chapter 11. And then I will read verses 12 to 25. The next day after leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. From far away, he noticed a fig tree in leaf. So he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing except leaves, since it wasn't the season for figs. So he said to it, no one will ever again eat your fruit. His disciples heard this. They came into Jerusalem. After entering the temple, he threw out those who were selling and buying there. He pushed over the tables used for currency exchange and the chairs of those who sold doves. He didn't allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. He taught them, hasn't it been written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? but you've turned it into a hideout for crooks. The chief priests and legal experts heard this and tried to find a way to destroy him. They regarded him as dangerous because the whole crowd was enthralled at his teaching. When it was evening, Jesus and his disciples went outside the city. Early in the morning, as Jesus and his disciples were walking along, they saw the fig tree withered from the root up. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look how the fig tree you cursed has dried up. Jesus responded to them, have faith in God. I assure you that whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and doesn't waver, but believes that what is said will really happen. It will happen. Therefore, I say to you, whatever you pray and ask for, believe that you will receive it and it will be so for you. And whenever you stand up to pray, if you have something against anyone, forgive so that your father in heaven may forgive you your wrongdoings. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So, this may surprise you. I come from a storytelling family. And I love to gather with my family. We always gather around the kitchen table, and it's like a, it's a given. You have to have a kitchen table because that's where the stories are told. In fact, at one point in my life, I made a move, and I didn't actually have room for a kitchen table, and my mom came to visit me and said, this will not do. You have to have a table. It is, it is where we gather. And I loved especially to listen when my mom and her sister, uh, my Aunt Vicky, would gather and tell stories, especially of their time growing up was so much fun to listen to those two tell the story because they never told the story the same way, right? And so one of my favorite stories that they told was the story of one day of going to school. Now, my mom would start the story out and she would say, yes, I am, you know, I, I was the captain of the safety patrol. And so I had to get to school early because it was very important to be there as the captain of the safety patrol and get in place so that you could organize the crossing guards and everyone could safely get across the street. And I took my role very seriously. I got there early, got everyone in place, started helping kids get across the street and then looked down and realized I didn't have any shoes on. 
She said, we ran around barefoot all the time and it wasn't always, you know, it was more natural to be barefoot. So I didn't even think about it, but here I was at school with no shoes and this was not going to do. But lucky for her, her sister Vicky had spent the night with a girl named Belinda and Vicky and Belinda show up uh, to school and they're still across the street. They have not come on the school grounds yet. And my Aunt Vicky hollers to my mom and says, we're going to go to our house. They only lived about a block and a half from school. We're going to go to our house and get a couple of things that I forgot. And then, then we'll come to school. And my mom said, great. While you're there, get my shoes. So this was all going to work out fine. Mom was going to be ready for school. It was going to be good. Well, they get just within eye shot, Belinda and my Aunt Vicky get within eye shot of their house, of my mom and Vicky's house. And Belinda grabs her stomach and bends over and screams and takes off running, which scared my Aunt Vicky. But then she was like, oh, my friend must be in trouble. So she just runs after her friend. And they are running roughly in the direction of Belinda's grandmother Juanita's house. And they're heading in that way. And at some point, Belinda says, you know, my stomach's really hurting. I want to go to my grandma. My Aunt Vicky's like, okay, I guess that's what we're going to do. And they're, you know, making their way down that road. Well, by this point, school has started. And so they round a corner. And guess who's there? The truant officer. Now, some of you do not know what a truant officer is. Um, some of us have grown up when homeschool was always an option and truant officers kind of disappeared when that became the case. But there used to be the case that there were, there were officials, um, either by the school district or the police department, who would go and round up wayward children who were not in school and take them back to school, right? So the truant officer pick up my Aunt Vicky and Belinda, and uh, Belinda's just full of this wild... Fr- verve for what else happened and they get her to school and they're 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 like okay we need you to explain to us what you were doing why you were not at school and Belinda said oh it was the craziest thing we were we were being chased by this dog and she climbed up on a chair and said the dog was this tall and and just as we round the corner the dog ran a different direction so you didn't see it truant officer and 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 that, that that's what what, that's what happened. And, and the truant officer says to my Aunt Vicky, is this what happened? And Vicky goes, yes, that's what happened. That's what happened. It's, it was a giant dog. And then the truant officer said, well, why weren't you at school in the first place? Why were you being chased by this dog to begin with? And, and Belinda said, well, it's because the captain of the safety patrol ordered us to go home and get her shoes. Now, it's two hours into school. My mom's still sitting there with no shoes on, right? The captain of the safety patrol has ordered us to go home and get her shoes. So my mom gets called to the office, and that's when my mom would pick up the story again and say, you know, uh, yeah, I got called down there, and I had to explain to them I didn't order them. They weren't even on school grounds yet. They were going home. I just asked them to get my shoes. Isn't that what happened, Vicky? And Vicky's like, oh, this is a dog, and this, I don't know. Is it that, that, you know, and what was it? And while she was telling the story, she was like, what was I supposed to say? I didn't want to get Belinda in trouble. And my mom's like, well, but you'd get me in trouble? I mean, I was the captain of the safety patrol. And they would argue back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I loved to listen to them tell these stories. Now, why am I telling you this story today besides the fact that it's just a fun story? I'm telling you this story today because that story taught me so much about stories. 
that it matters who is telling the story. From my mom's perspective, a certain thing happened in that moment. And from my Aunt Vicky's perspective, a different thing happened in that moment. And I imagine if I'd ever heard Belinda's side of the story, it would have been different even still. And it's not just that their perspectives were different, but they, they, you, you could hear in those stories a reflection of what they each valued. So in my mom's case, my mom, you know, I told you a couple of weeks ago that my mom was one of 21 brothers and sisters, and that is true, but she mostly grew up in a household. There were four of them that were full blood, and three of them lived together. So she, and it was a kind of a chaotic household, and she was the oldest among that group. And so she felt very responsible that it was her job to keep order in the space and that there were rules that needed to be followed in order to keep everyone safe. And so my mom was very committed to that reality. Whereas my Aunt Vicki, what was important for her back then and to the day she died was that you, you took care of people that were in trouble and you were a good friend. And you stood by your friends, even if things went crazy on you, you stuck with them. And then I imagine if I ever heard Belinda's side of the story, it would take it up a notch, right? (laughs) We would have heard a completely different, but very dramatic story from her um, because she valued that kind of excitement and drama and wildness, right? Who is telling the story shapes how the story is told, And who they are telling the story to shapes how the story is told. In stories, we are allowed to shout, we are invited even to share our perspectives and to expose and convey what values are important to us. We notice and share what is important to us in in how we choose to tell a story and in what we want to bring to our audience or to our community. I'm certain it was important to my mom that she she conveyed to me, it's good to be responsible and follow the rules. And I'm, I am absolutely certain my Aunt Vicky wanted me to understand, but it's also good to be a good friend and to take care of people. We have in this book three witnesses that are very close. We have four Gospels, and they will all foretell the story of Jesus and how Um, We are to be shaped by that. But we have three that in particular are referred to as the synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the reason that they're called the synoptic gospels is they tell relatively the same story in relatively the same order. Synoptic in Greek is to see together. They see alongside one another. They see a very similar story. John's going to be a whole different ballgame. But um, but they see very similarly together, but they do not see identically. And then over the next three weeks, we're going to look at passages that appear in all three Gospels, but that have some differences to them. And we're going to look at what those differences mean. Um, there were uh, some printouts of all three passages from each of the Gospels that were up here. My guess is they all got picked up. But if you go home, You can go online to our online worship page on our Facebook page, or if you're joining us online right now, you can click on the online page, and there's a a tab that says Gospel Parallels. Click on that, and you'll be able to see all three passages for the next few weeks right next to each other. And you'll see what they have in common, but you'll also see what's different. And and the other thing to remember when we're looking at these different stories is not just that there's differences in in who is telling the story, but 
Each story that's chosen has a purpose. And I think what we gather from the fig tree is distinct understandings of how each of the gospel writers view discipleship. This is one of the great passages to look at how they view discipleship. So I'm going to kind of walk you through how each of the passages go. So Matthew tells a story very similar to Mark. There's a There is a key difference that I'll talk about in just a minute here. It's very similar to Mark, but it definitely shows this perspective of, look, you've got a tree. It's a fig tree. It's supposed to bear fruit. If it's not bearing fruit, it's not doing its tree thing. It can no longer be a tree. And there are many passages that follow this that are about bearing fruit. And what Matthew is portraying for us about what Jesus wants us to understand about discipleship is that disciples take certain actions that result in certain things. And one of the things that disciples should do is take actions that bear fruit, that make a change, that make a difference. This comes from this worldview of order. There is a certain way things that happen, and when they're in that order, when they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, everything works well. When you take an action, you get an expected result. That is the worldview that is present in Matthew. And so disciples take actions and get results. And if you don't, you're not being a disciple. Luke tells a very different story. In Luke, it's the story of there's a fig tree that hasn't had any fruit for three years. The owner of the orchard wants to cut it down. The gardener's like, whoa, whoa, wait. No, let me try some more things. Let me put some more fertilizer here. Let me take care of it. Let's give this tree another chance, please. Let's not cut the tree down, which very much reflects what Luke sees about discipleship, which is that you take care of the vulnerable. You keep giving chances. You make space for people. Even if it's a, it's a fruit-bearing tree that isn't bearing fruit, you still give it a chance. You still nurture it along. You still love it. Luke has this reflection of, of understanding discipleship as loving and caring and trying and welcoming even the ones that aren't exactly the way God would like them to be. You still make them, you still make space for them. Now, Mark, this passage from Mark starts out by telling us that Jesus is hungry. And one of the things that I love about this passage that you can do, you know, um, Ray, the last, the two sermons that you've preached recently here have both pointed out that there are human moments of Jesus, right? And I think this passage very much captures this human moment of Jesus. Jesus isn't just hungry. Jesus is hangry, right? Um, This is very much the human Jesus. I like to call this Jesus's Snickers commercial, right? You're not you when you're hungry, Jesus. You're you're going around cursing fig trees, and then you go flipping tables, and like, you're just, it's like a low blood sugar moment, Jesus. Like, get the man a biscuit. Come on, he is, he is uh, taking things a little bit too far, right? So, so certainly there is that reflected in this, but I think also reflected in this is the mark and understanding of discipleship. And the reason that I say that is because the reason that I say Jesus is being a little bit wild here is because Mark tells us it is not the season for figs. Jesus is mad that a tree doesn't have figs on it when it's not supposed to have figs on it. It would be weird for there to be figs there. But what what Mark and discipleship says is, so what? 
So what if it's not the season for figs? Don't you believe in a God of miracles? Don't you believe in a God that can bend time and space? Don't you believe in a God that can cast out demons? Hey, it's a, so what? It's not the season for figs. So what? That's the way the temples always fu- functioned. We're going to flip tables and we're going to make this tree have to have fruit or, you know, there are consequences for that. Mark and discipleship is unbound. It's thinking beyond the possibilities. It's, it's challenging us to, to lay claim to a faith that does bold things, that makes miracles happen and ignores obstacles like seasons and established practices. Right? So we have these three different understandings of discipleship, and all of them are valid. And, and not only that, they're all going to reach different kinds of people. For some people, I can in fact imagine that for my you know, fifth grade mom, that understanding of Matthean discipleship made a lot of sense. This, look, if we stick to the rules, if we take these actions, these things are going to happen. This is how this works. It would have made a lot of sense. I can also imagine that that Lucan discipleship, but come on, just give the tree a chance. Just be there with the tree. Take care of the tree. Would have made sense to my Aunt Vicky, who's like, I got to take care of my friend, even though she's a little... Well, she's seeing imaginary dogs. <laughs> you know, I'm still going to be with her, right? And then I can also imagine not knowing Belinda, but I'm pretty sure that Mark and discipleship would fit her worldview, right? Would definitely speak into that reality. And that's the thing. The Gospels tell us about Jesus, absolutely. But they also reach us and speak to us. And offer us guidance on the ways of being a disciple. And because we have these multiple witnesses that tell the story just a little bit differently, the story can include so many others. It can speak to so many different people. So as you are reading, as you are going along, notice the differences in the stories. And notice the difference in you and how you react differently to the stories. And what you think. And hear the story that God is speaking into your life. Because when you do, you will also hear the call of the disciple that you are meant to be. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.